This episode of the Island Green is brought to you by the Golf Mania Store. The Golf Mania Store now has the simulator open. In fact, they are going to have a fall blowout and I guess simulator grand opening on Friday, October 29th and October 30th. Season's wrapping up for most people, so if you need or have you had or like me and worn out the grips of your clubs and pretty much worn out your clubs, uh, or if you need the lie checking, or if you need a fitting, or if you're in the market for a few new sticks, maybe got a little frustrated at your game in the end and uh, snapped a putter or maybe bent a few irons, you know who I'm talking about out there, uh, check out the Golf Mania store. And uh, the man whose uh, brainchild was the Golf Mania store is sitting right next to me. You uh, must be fired up about the simulator, buddy. I am. Uh, Fred, we can get your clubs put back together there, brother. No worries. <laughs> I'm on, I'm on mute right now. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so welcome to episode thirty-four of the Island Green, um, and uh, I'm Len. That's Ben, and that's Nick. And uh, right now we are once again being hosted at the Anchor Room at the Merchant Man uh, Restaurant. And well, this time Nick's taking full advantage. He's got. He already had like the nachos here, and now he's got. What, what's uh, the saying? Life short. Eat dessert first. I think that, <laughs> that's what the Fred lives by. Nachos are half eaten, but he is dummying a sticky date pudding as we speak. Unbelievable. <laughs> I chased him into the kitchen. I said, sticky day pudding. <laughs> he really did. I did. Came skipping back into the room here once they knew that you, <laughs> then your order was in. Um, happy Wednesday, boys. Uh, another fantastic week of weather. Unbelievable fall golf. Um, today turned out to be a beautiful day. I know it did. How about those leaves, man? Like, is there nothing more gorgeous than those leaves? Like, that is a really Dro- nice backdrop right now. Drove by somebody's house today and... You know, let's say 20% of their tree had come off. Yep. He's out there raking them up, and me and the guy I was driving with was like, might want to hold off, big fella. There's a lot, <laughs> more, there's a lot more to come down than that. That is just a make-work project. <laughs> the only, only thing that I will say right now for that, because I've done this, it's a good opportunity to blow the leaves at your neighbor and let him deal with that first 20%. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I can kind of, you know, I'll deal with what comes down later, but this opportunity just to stick it to that neighbor that's pissing you off a little bit. Yeah. I'm lucky, man. I got I got great neighbors, so I'm not going to do any of that. But I've also chopped down all most of my trees. I did make a bogey with the weather today, or yes, Shane, today. Like it's been what twelve or thirteen probably today. Mm-hmm. Had the weather network app on my phone up, and the kids are getting ready for school. I said, "Calls for nineteen and sunny today and tomorrow, kids." Like shorts and t-shirts today. <laughs> no, you didn't. But I had it flicked on to Toronto's weather. <laughs> So I sent them to school today in shorts and a t-shirt. Yeah. You're getting a call from child services. (laughs) My wife texted me and said, what what, what clothes did you lay out for the boys this morning? Like shorts and t-shirts call for 19 and sunny. She's like, what app app are you looking at? It's like 10 and overcast. Honest to God. (laughs) You got to layer up this time of year. You're trying trying to toughen up the kids early, eh? <laughs> but this is prime layer city right now. Only 200 now. more days till next summer. <laughs> Gotta toughen you up. Yeah. Be like the postman. Uh, shorts all year. Oh, yeah. First thing in the morning, you got the windbreaker, long sleeve, you know, pants. And by the end of the today, today you could have had a short sleeves and a jeans on. Do you guys remember, like, when Tony Finau and Justin Thomas first started wearing the hoodie? Like, that yeah. was a yeah. topic of conversation? Yeah. It's over. Hoodies are here and they're here to stay. Yeah. Like it is now officially a, a style. Not at Stanhope. They are banned. What? I tried. No, they're not. What do you mean they're Board, banned? 
Borderline banned. There's nothing banned at Stanhope. <laughs> I, love the, I love the hoodie. Shout out to the guy at Belvedere who was playing Monday, uh, just a few groups behind the Monday group, who decided to go sleeveless and carry his uh, bag the entire way, kind of like a baby. It was, it was uh, pretty entertaining to watch. I thought it might have been you, Fred. Kind of had the same gun show that you have. But, uh, was that Jason Bully? Uh, no. no. Like no. sleeveless. 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 Okay. Like wife beater. Put this, put this, yeah, that's what he had on. Beautiful. It was kind of the eye, eye opening. Um, One thing that's great about being 300 pounds, you don't have to ever wear a sleeveless shirt. It ain't going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> One guy in the weekend playing had the two <coughs> short sleeves going. That was, that was a weird combo. Keeping see, the head warm, I guess, but the rest of the body was. See, I, I enjoy like I wear toques a lot, especially in the winter time. But it's too early, like it, unless it's really cold. Like I, I don't like having that hot top up there. I'm a big fan of, and I never do it, but I'm like always wearing shorts, but then layering up top. Yeah, because I feel like you know you, you don't do, you don't get that cold. Hundred percent, your legs don't get that cold. Uh, busy week, boys, with uh, a lot of a lot of tournaments and uh, and such that uh, went on last weekend. And I'm just going to throw it out there: the most important one being the Luke Allen Memorial. What a day! It's crazy. Like it was so, super special. But what, what's today? Wednesday. Yeah, feels like a lifetime ago. I was going to say, like just just because I I don't know, like it was like a come down after. Fair. The, you know what I mean? Like it. it almost represented for me like it was the end of the golf season once the luke allen thing was was mm-hmm. done like yeah, obviously we got some good time coming up but i don't know like once monday hit i was i was ready for a little breather after that it i was, would imagine that's it, a lot of a lot of organizing and you know pretty great, big great task. event though oh my god it was so so amazing i just like, saw a picture today about uh his 19 or 2004 guys he graduated with um that that came and they all got together to play around to golf and stuff like that that was so cool to see they won the tournament the four guy winning guys oh, on, his, on his univer- on the team that won at Holland College. Yep. Yeah, Neil, Eric, Justin, and uh, Brett Wilson. Brett Wilson. So yeah. seven years to the day, the Fab Four Sunday that his team won the national championship. The four remaining players played at Bru- Belvedere and birdied eighteen for fifty four, eighteen under, and won it. Well, that's ooh, that's goosebumps, <laughs> boys. It was crazy. Oh, yeah. Goosebumps. They were playing a couple groups ahead of us, and we saw them on seven sixteen green, and they just birdied and. Jamie McIntyre and I think a few other guys had come back out to watch kind of them play. Yeah, yeah. And they said, yeah, boys, we go birdie birdie for 54 here. And they had 55 was posted at the creek. Yep. By Connor Shea's group. Yep. So they went no and birdied 17, way. 18. There's, they have the putt on film there on 18 that Brett made for the 54. And that was the team that won. It was, that's pretty crazy. I, I was uh, standing on the deck with um, Brian Affleck and, and Jeffrey. And then we were watching and. Yeah, I knew they'd be good, obviously, but like they had no hiccups. Like they one, just, par, one par, just birdied, on, on birdied, birdied, birdied every flipping hole. Like incredible. You've uh, you've ignored all of my requests. I'm not getting a hat, am I? No hats are <laughs> few and far between. Oh, you're such a dick. <laughs> Fuck. The the thing with hats. Um, so I'll tell you the story. Uh, how it came up is we had uh, had the Greg Neat uh, yep. event after Greg passed, and they they did hats. Mm-hmm. And it was great. It added a nice touch to the event, and you know it kind of brings everyone together, right? Yep. So I was like, that'd be great to do something for Luke's event. And then anyway, we we got hats, and then it seems like we just kept adding more golfers <laughs> every day. Like there was another course added, right? So yeah, 
the hats got depleted pretty quick and i wanted to make sure that i saved some for the family members right because yep. you know there's some that couldn't be there or some that uh, were volunteering or doing other things so it was uh, it was cool the hats uh, you know shout out to brian king he, he did the hats he put the you know illicit uh, la dodgers logo yeah. on the front yeah, yeah, yeah. And, very cool and the you know the bible thing on the side and everyone was rocking them at the golf course the yeah. guy from belvedere was kind of <clears throat> going group to group handing them out and then mm-hmm. By the time he'd kind of gotten through all the groups, everyone's had the yellow hats on for the yeah. day. It was pretty cool. Well, Sherry was there on Sunday going around with Oscar, the yep. the dog. Um, I was feeding Oscar hot dogs. <laughs> Oscar was my best buddy there down the stretch. Um, well, listen, if anybody out there has one and, uh, and, and you know, wants to make a fella's day, I'd love, I'd love to have one. I'd, yeah. love, I'd love to have one. The uh, I think we might be. It, it probably wouldn't fit my melon, to be honest. So it might be. I'll try it. <laughs> no, they're, give it they're, back, they're a one OSFA. That yeah. doesn't matter. <laughs> that does not matter to me. I got biggest melon east of Montreal. It's brutal. It was uh, unbelievable. The weather. It looked dog shit, to be honest. Yeah. In the yeah. forecast. Yeah. And it was perfect. Yeah. Thank it was. You. So you were at the creek, Ben, and then you came down to Belvedere. Yep. Okay. And. I know the creek went well, and I heard Eagles Glen was a phenomenal day yeah. too up there. Uh, Chris was saying so. Raised uh, thirty three thousand dollars, boys. It was a great day. No way. Was that the t- final total? Yeah, final total. Thirty three grand, just like oh, that's amazing. Yeah, it was uh, really special. Uh, and you know, like it's weird. Like it, I, this is just from my sp- per, you know perspective, but it added a little bit of closure to the whole thing. You for know, sure. Like you for know, sure. it was you know obviously sad. Luke had his struggles for a long time, and you know like you know celebration stuff but it, it it was a good day yeah it was a good day um well and the reason that i don't have a hat and the reason that we we that, I, that i'm looking for one is that i was committed to play in the broody fox again same day and uh you know beautiful day it, but there was a luke allen perspective to that day there as was, well and i'll get to that in in a in just a second actually i wanted to give a shout out to poor t's hackers because he uh he and i both like organized you know three quarters of it and picked our teams and we were all set to go sure enough one of uh their kid has uh, covid exposure and so now he was in he was in isolation Aww. and he still is and uh anyway so next time tease um uh, but i you know what <laughs> oh, that is so it's brutal, brutal. it did is you stream, totally did, brutal did you have to stream him in for the picks or? well we had the live we had the live scoring going and i think he was busy all day just constantly refreshing every time because anytime somebody would make a, a birdie on like number two of brutal you'd message jeff and like birdie on number two what's going on anyway but um what you know what so the results were uh brutal won 13 and a half to 10 and a half um, and it was nine holes alternate uh, scramble uh, match play, nine holes alternate shot match play, and then nine holes singles. And uh, I saw your Instagram uh, post today. You seemed to get your partner another jam, just like I had to deal with uh, <laughs> <laughs> in the alternate shot. <laughs> it's a grind, man. It's, it's a, a grind. grind. Yeah. Um, they, but you know what? I credit to Brudenell because they they had a bunch of people that they had to replace, and they did a fantastic job. Obviously, they won, but they. Um, there was a bunch of them that I'd never played with before, and that was kind of the best part of the whole event. Like, you guys know who Kirk Butler is? No? Crickets. Crickets. Well, apparently he's won the Brudenell Club Championship, you know, a couple of year, a couple times or whatever. Anyhow, I, I'll show you a video after we're done. Our drives on number two. You guys are familiar with two, 
Brudenell, long yeah. par four, like Tough real par four, par four right? Yeah. Anyway, we did have a little bit of a back wind, but anyway, our best drives, me and Ryan Kowalski, who can bang it out there, uh, we were right around the 150-ish mark. Kirk was inside 100. I think they had a wedge in on their second shot. And uh, apparently in singles, he went four under through seven, eight holes, something like that. Kid can play. Kid can play. Anyway. Is he a kid? Uh, no, he's, he's a little bit older. I, well, Christ, I don't know. It's all relative to me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm going to say... I'm going to say mid-30s. Uh, that's, that's my guess. But, um, oh, <laughs> wasn't without drama. So, as okay, so, Ben, I want you to pay attention to this part because this is I'm kind here. of the – and this is what Ryan Garrett was, um, you know, his concern was. So we've got, you know, six tee-off times, and we're doing um, our alternate shot first. Sorry, our scramble match play first. There are – times behind us right so they're worried about us taking up too much time and so told all the boys listen you know play your match whatever but as soon as it's over go to the 10th tee right because then you know like if you're done through six go to 10 take off whatever right and uh anyway so as you can appreciate when you organize golf tournaments and then play in them, you're kind of always on the ball. And I was kind of always looking at my watch and just sort of seeing, didn't, you know, like it was fine. But we teed off our, we teed off a little bit early. Uh, Our first tee time was supposed to be 10.30 and we had till 11.20. They were right on the carts and everything, right? They they did a great job. So there was nobody on the tee around 10.20. So we said, well, let's take off. Let's get this thing going. So sure enough, we did. It is, we're, I'm in the final group of the scramble match play, the first nine, and I get, on, I get to the 10th tee, and it's 11.32, I remember looking at my watch. So we're, you know, 2.20. And I know alternate shot's going to be really quick, so, you know, no problem. So these two, there was three of them, and one of them's a husband and wife, apparently, and they, the wife comes up, she's got these glasses on, and she's staring right at me, and she's like, you guys should be embarrassed of yourselves. Two hours and 15 minutes to play the front nine. This is absolutely ridiculous. And she's like staring right at me like, can't, you know. What time was this? Uh, this is like 11.32. What, well, she have to Sorry. get home? Sorry, 1.32. And like wash the nuggets for the, get home, get the nuggets scrubbed up so you could watch the hoedown or what was going on there? Oh, anyway, so of course my heart gets beaten. I'm saying, well, what was your tee off time? And they say 11.20. Well, that's funny because it's on our cart here that we have 11.20, so that's obviously not true. Mm. And it's 11.32 if you look at your watch right now, so you're two hours, basically. Anyway, I was I was ready to... Anyway, and of course, alternate shot went off without a hitch. It was fairly quick. Um, I, I I had the names of the uh, the husband and wife or whatever, but... Um, Let's anyway. blast them. Let's uh, do it. No, I'm not going to. <coughs> they know who they are. They're fucking idiots. <laughs> anyway, um, I don't want to go... Just before you go, Lynn, and you keep going, yep. we have a guest on today, and they're going to be calling in at some point. So yep. if we cut off from a story midway through, that's just the way she goes. We Absolutely. have an awesome guest coming on today. We have William Spencer. I don't know if he goes by Bill or William, but we'll find out. Yep. He is the caddy for Sung J Im. Not a big uh, deal. PGA Tour, fresh off a of victory at the Shriners Open in Las Vegas. Yeah. And fresh off, I guess, the Olympics. Anyway. Yeah, he's so calling in. He's going to be coming in, and um, so yeah, if we do disconnect here, but uh, I also wanted to we we mentioned the Luke Allen Award, which uh-huh. I thought was yes. a really cool idea, 
and that was for the player who came back from the largest deficit to get a half point, whatever. So as the tournament went on, uh, during the uh, scramble match play, uh, Saul Anigan and Nolan Irvin came back. They were dormy through six, seven holes. Yes. And they were and they were going to regret it, but Trevor and um, who was his partner gave them a six-foot putt on seven, the par three. Anyway, then Saul and Nolan birdied eight to win the hole and birdied nine to get the half point. Ooh. Anyway, so that was, you know, a good start. That was probably the biggest comeback of the, fir- the front nine. And then the back nine, I was playing against Saul Lanigan with, um, <laughs> we saw the video of Dylan there, the video, and um, we were up, God, three after three um, and kind of cruised along and we kind of tied, tied, tied. Um, then all of a sudden they won 16, then they won 17, then they drained an 18-footer for par on 18, and I we had to do we had about 12-footer, which I luckily did hold to keep the match, but it almost happened again. Anyway, Saul was a part of both of those teams, so Jeff and I both decided, talked it over, and uh, the phone is ringing, and we're going to go right back. <laughs> but anyway, congratulations, Saul, and uh, yeah, now we got to go into our interview. Well, Seems right like a back. great event. Our guest today is uh, PGA Tour caddy for Sung J.M. Uh, grew up in Toronto, Ontario. Um, we'll get into more about that a little bit later. And he's caddied for some some great players on the PGA Tour, Daniel Berger, C.T. Pan, amongst others. And uh, fresh off a victory at the Shriners Open last week, and want to talk about that, plus the Olympics this year. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, William Spencer. William, thanks for coming on the show. You got it, guys. Thanks for having me. Where are you at, Billy? Oh, sorry. Um, I am uh, in Dallas. I got a uh, I got a place in Dallas. Uh, grew up in Toronto. Still have a place up there, but uh, just for travel and stuff. My wife and kid. Um, everyone's in Dallas, so it, it makes it just a little bit easier. And uh, how's things down in uh, in the Longhorn State? Things are good down there. Yeah, yeah, things are good. No COVID. Uh, everything's uh, going as usual. So it's uh, it's it's a, it's a it's a pretty good state to live in compared to some of the other ones for sure. Hockey season's kicking back up down there. Uh, Dallas Stars getting going soon. Yeah, yeah, they played a few games. I'm not. I, I, they're my backup team. <laughs> I mean, I'm a Leafs guy, so I, I got 82 nights to watch the Leafs. If the Stars are playing on an off night or after the Leafs, then I'll tune in and kind of take a peek. But um, no, but no, yeah, no, Billy, my, uh, Billy, yeah. Billy, Billy, Billy. <laughs> you, you have 86 nights to watch the Leafs, right? Well, yeah, yeah maybe, maybe 89. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. <laughs> you would have had some more nights to watch the Jays, too. I saw your yardage book there with the, the Jays-Leafs kind of double cover going, but they uh, they were one game away from getting in. Yeah, no, I like to get a good chance to watch a lot of the Jays games. Lucky enough that... Uh, you know, they, they do spring training down in Tampa when we play at Innisbrook. Uh, so I've been fortunate enough to get down there and watch a bunch of spring training games. And, and this year, uh, they were actually playing regular season games. Where I guess we were in Tampa a little bit later. So we caught, uh, we caught them play six games the week that we were in Tampa. Saw them play the Braves and the Nats. So that was, that was pretty fun for sure. Nice. Well, uh, I guess before we get going here, before we get into kind of the backstory on, on you know, Toronto and Carlton and all that stuff, tell us about kind of two weeks ago in the Shriners. I mean, pretty good start to the season, get a victory right out of the gates, and uh, and h- how was that? 
Yeah, no, it was good. It was good. Um, you know, we had played the week before in uh, in Jackson. Um, actually played pretty good, really. Um, didn't make some pots, and we were a little loose with some irons. Um, we got to Vegas Sunday night, uh, and then we he put in a lot of work on Monday and Tuesday with some equipment stuff, um, kind of getting everything fine-tuned, and um, obviously, uh, you know, made some pots and got on a bit of a, a heater there on Sunday um, and managed to, you know, to kind of pull away from the field but um yeah he kind of had it all going pretty good and then and then even last week at the cj um again in vegas you know it's tough coming off of, of a win you're kind of flat you know it's it's you kind of wish you might have gone home um and so he was kind of kind of in a fog you know the first few days and then um you know said on friday night he his goal would be to finish in the top 10. I think we might have been about 35th or so after two days. So had a pretty good weekend and um, birdied the last two on Sunday to finish, I think, T9. So, yeah, a pretty good three-week stretch to start the year. Now, was it that fog have anything to do with being in Vegas, or is that just the uh, the post-victory fog? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's just it's a weird feeling. You know, you win, and there's all that excitement. And, and luckily, we didn't have to travel. I mean, we were in the same city for two weeks, but... Um, you know, you're just kind of, you know, the CJ Cup is one of his main sponsors, too. So he had a, a little bit extra as far as media and stuff went last week and um, didn't probably practice as much as he would normally would on a, you know, on a three-day prep getting into the tournament. Um, so he was kind of just a little flat out of the gate, but, um, you know, shot a couple under, I think maybe even four under that first day and, and kind of got his kind of legs underneath him again and then uh, got better every day as the week went on. I was going to ask you, Billy. Like, how how does it go? Like, obviously, you know, your your guys have good days and bad bad days. But you know, he's been pretty consistent lately. But what's the vibe like whenever you're you know you know, holding the bag versus you know round three of the Shriners? You know, post a seventy, and then he gets on that heater and you know final round sixty two. Like, do you try and stay out of his way a little bit more, or are you more involved when it's going good, or how's that shake down in, in your side of things? Um, no, I mean, I just try to, you know, I think, you know, what you get used to is, you know, you sort of deliver the same product every day. You know, he, he wants things done a certain way, just like every other guy on tour. Um, and you know, you want to stick to that routine, keeping it simple and, um, you know, try not to kind of get ahead of yourself and just do, I mean, obviously, you know, he's on a bit of a heater when you're, you don't. You kind of lose track. Yeah, right? yeah you're fair. kind of going hole by hole, and then you, you know, you, you you catch a glimpse of the leaderboard, and you're you know you're eight under through thirteen or whatever, and you got a four shot lead, and then all of a sudden, you know, that's that's kind of when it's that's when it's difficult when you gotta you really gotta try to stick to the routine and stuff like that. But um, you know, just try to make birdie on every hole. I mean, in a tournament where you gotta, you know, you, we know you gotta shoot in the twenties probably at, at the last two weeks, so try to make birdie on every hole and kind of keep the foot on the gas and you know hopefully end up at the top when you're all when it's all done that's got to be a great feeling uh you know obviously you're pretty excited you know being a part of the team uh what what's that feeling like when you you see him you know he you know played really well and not that he cruised but he had a you know a fair uh, fair lead going down the stretch there was it uh little bit you know you're kind of seeing what uh what's going to shake down or do you get a little bit nervous or what's the feeling like there yeah i mean i don't think nervous i mean you, you obviously you know you got a bit of a lead but um you know you don't you just don't want to kind of get ahead of yourself i wish it was 
you know, everyone, everyone, you know, once I saw everybody like the next few days, you know, all of us have been nice, you know, the last few holes with a four shot lead. And like, I, I didn't feel that comfortable. Right. You know? I mean, <laughs> right. you, you never know. I mean, 16's, uh, you know, 16's a hole. It's a pretty easy par five playing a little bit into the wind, but, you know, guys were hitting mid irons in there. And then, um, 17 was playing about as easy as it could all week and 18, it makes a good hole, but you know, it probably still plays under par. So yeah, you know, anything can happen at that stretch in Vegas. So, you know, you're comfortable to an extent, but you know, you just want to get it in the house as low as you can. And that, you know, hopefully it's good enough. How'd you celebrate? How did you celebrate? Big, was there a celebratory, celebratory drink you get or uh, what, what do, what do you do? Uh, no, you know what? That night, uh, I like the Bills. They're they're my favorite uh, football team, NFL team. So the Bills are playing the Chiefs, and um, Dandy my game. guys that I do my hockey pool. Well, the guys I do my hockey pool with for the last probably twenty years. That was our draft that night. So I I, I got the flag off the green, uh, packed up the locker, took his clubs, and went to the house we had rented to do my draft and watch the Bills game. You got to celebrate <laughs> twice on one Sunday, man. Pretty good. Got the, oh, the yeah. b- yeah, big yeah. win for the Bills. Yeah, yeah, no, it was it was it was good. It was a good week, you know. And I mean, it's uh, I, I I mean, I've won a couple times. It's always different after. Sometimes you're racing to get out of town, you know. Sometimes it's a big party, and you know, you kind of just do the do your thing. And then, like you know, this week I, or last couple weeks, you know, I, I really I really want. I had a decent pick in the draft, so I wanted to get home yeah. and make sure I, <laughs> you know, I. I I got who I wanted to get. Who, who know, was it? Bills, who did you pick? Oh, I took Marner because Matthews was gone. I had to. I had to take a leave. I mean, I <laughs> Wait a minute, Matthews was gone. Was where did you? What? Where did you pick? Seventeen. I picked six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I wanted to ask, going back to the week, um, and you've been doing this for a very long, you know, well, since two thousand. Um, can you, as a caddy, can you tell when your player is like feeling it before they tee off? Like, if, is, have you ever gotten a feeling where you thought, you know, uh, you know what, this is going to be a fun day, this is going to go, or you know, uh, on the other flip side of the coin, have you ever kind of got to the first tee and said, you know, let's, this is going to be a rough one? Um, yeah, I mean, I probably get this is going to be a rough one before I get the this is going to be a good one. I mean. <laughs> It's 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 tough to tell, you know. I mean, I've seen terrible warm-ups followed by great rounds. Yeah. And I've seen great warm-ups followed by terrible rounds. Um, but if you you know you know going in, I mean, you, we get the pins the night before. I've seen all the golf courses. You look at the weather. If it's going to be, you know, a windy day, or you know where some of the tees are, and, and you know that you know par is going to be a good score, and it's going to be a grind. That's when you kind of know, like, you better get you know get your game ready to go um you're going to be counted on maybe more than you know let's say vegas where there's no wind and it's driver wedge and you know if you can read green book the right way then you're going to make some pots kind of thing you know so yeah i probably feel i probably get more of the oh boy here we go day <laughs> than i do like oh i can't wait to shoot well, that's 60 re- something that's relatable <laughs> yeah but you know, you see, like it's tough. You know, you just don't want to get ahead of yourself, and you know, it's you know, it's, I don't know. Maybe you know, expect the worst, hope for the best, kind of thing. Yeah. You know. So, uh, 
going back a little bit, kind of before caddying, you, you grew up in Toronto and you went to Carleton up uh, up in Ottawa. So, like, what did you study at university? And was there something that you were kind of planning on doing before caddying kind of came into play? And and how did the the jump to kind of caddying all take place? Um, yeah, no, I had I had nothing decided in Carleton. Um, I lasted one year. Uh, and I probably spent more time in Montreal than I did in Ottawa that year. <laughs> There's nothing to do in Montreal. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of uh, a lot of buddies I went to school with went to McGill and Concordia. So it was a pretty easy trip from Ottawa down to Montreal for the weekends and stuff. Uh, but I came home, um, and I worked at a golf course in Toronto, Beacon Hall. And uh, they had a caddy program. I, I, I ran the bag room and the cart room. Um, but we had a caddy program that I some work with and i mean long story short um they had a canadian tour event they needed some guys um we sent a bunch of our kids over and they needed more guys at the 11th hour so i signed up to go and the pro that i got was jason bone yeah and um kind of hit it off this is back probably like in the mid 90s hit it off and i'd caddy for them every time they came to toronto for two or three years um and then one summer like in the might have been like 97 or 96, 97, 98, I went out west with him and caddied a bunch. And, I mean, you know, he found his way onto the web tour, found his way onto the PGA Tour after another year, and, and that was it. I was, that, was, that was how I started and how I, where I'm at now. So we just glossed over that really quickly. That's impressive. But uh, do you have in your mind, like, a career goal as a caddy? Like, and I – kind of the first time that we've kind of asked that question, you know, because obviously you talk to players and they're, you know, either it's win majors or maybe it's a monetary goal. Um, is it the same with you? Um, you know, I, I, no, not really. I mean, obviously I'd like to win as many tournaments. I mean, I'd love to be in the, in the position to, to win a major. Yeah. Um, you know, the Olympics was a pretty cool experience. I mean, I know that comes around every four years, but you know, a chance to, to compete for an Olympic medal, I thought, was probably one of my highlights of my career, you know, aside from some wins and stuff like that. So, but no, not really. I mean, just to, you know, when it's all done, just, you know, to be able to, to know that, you know, I did I did what I tried to, you know, I did my best every week, showed up, ready to go, did my work, and, you know, tried to help my player as much as I could. That's got to be pretty, pretty special, uh, the whole Olympic experience. Um, tell us a little bit about that, Billy, because, you know, I'm not much of a track and field guy, so I don't know if I'm going to make the Olympics anytime soon. What's what's it like living that experience? I know a little bit different maybe with the COVID situation or whatever, but uh, how was that for you and, and for your man? Yeah, no, it was it was a cool experience. I mean, unfortunately, with all that was going on, we couldn't we didn't stay in the village. We stayed in a resort about 30 minutes from the golf course, and we were pretty much lockdown golf course resort and golf course that that was all we could really do but um the 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 whole experience though just to see the i mean the golfers are guys that we see every week for the most part i mean there's some countries of guys that we didn't that we didn't know but for the most part it's all the it's all the guys that we see at majors and wgc's and all that stuff but and rory sabatini the, the vibe of the what's that <laughs> i said and rory sabatini <laughs> well yeah and, yeah exactly and Savo. <laughs> But yeah, like just to, just to be, you know, even it kind of, you know, it kind of hits you when you're, when you're, uh, when I flew in, you know, I, that last flight before, you know, getting in, getting on the plane, going to Tokyo. And that's when 
you know, that's when some of the athletes started getting on the flight and stuff like that. And then you really started to, you know, track and field people and, um, you know, some baseball players and, you know, just different representatives from different countries. And it was, it was a really cool experience. It was a great golf course. It was, it was a good competition. And, you know, I would, I would never pass that opportunity up again for sure. If I was ever, if I was ever lucky enough to get a chance to do it again, I would definitely go. And with the Olympics, so I had a quick question, Billy, about, uh, like, obviously, you know, we're Canadian and we follow the Canadian athletes quite a bit. What's it like, uh, you know, being involved with uh, the South Korean uh, contingency over there? Yeah, it, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was different. Um, <laughs> he was going to say you know, weird. Funny with the <laughs> yeah, it was weird. It was different. I mean, obviously, I don't speak Korean, right. so that that part of that's a bit of an issue. But um, you know, there was a lot of guys. Um, you know, there was uh, the other, um, you know, Siwoo Kim, who was the other Korean representative. Um, his caddy's an American. And if I, if I think about it, um, you know, there's a lot of guys that work for players that aren't from that same country. Um, you know, I know an English guy that was working for a French player. Um, you know, there's uh, it, it was just it, it was a unique situation. I mean, we'd go have lunch and I'd sit down with the Canadian guys or the American guys. And the Korean guys would sit down with the Japanese guys and the Taiwanese guys. So it was kind of like a regular tour. You know, you just kind of hung out with who you hung out with. Sure. But then, you know, you got on the golf course and got going and, you know, off you went. So how uh, – that is something that I'm really curious about is the, like, the language barrier. Um, Sungjae speaks a little bit of English, does he? Or, you know, like, how, how's that language barrier work or what, what are the challenges there that uh, you kind of experience that kind of make your tough even, even a little – your job a little bit even more uh, difficult. Um, yeah, I mean he's. He, I mean he knows a lot more English than I know Korean. So I mean he's way ahead of the game as far as being able to communicate. Um, you know he can get his point across. Um, you know I've taught him some stuff too, so it's kind of it's kind of been a little bit of a, a learning experience, having some fun teaching teaching him some different phrases and some different words and stuff, but. You know, there there hasn't been a point yet. I mean, at least knock on wood that that we have been on a different page because of the language. So we've we've been able to figure out what we're trying to do, you know, relatively smoothly, and and you know, had some good success so far. Billy, please, please don't tell me you're going to infect him with any of that Toronto Maple Leaf talk. <laughs> <laughs> how did you How did you end up actually connecting with Sungjae? Um, there's no, there's his, no Tinder for agent, caddies uh, or anything, is there? Was, well, no, his, his agent's a friend of mine, um, another Dallas guy. Um, and, I, I, you know, you kind of, as a caddy, you know, try to make sure you've always kind of got something, you know, make sure you've always got, you've got your work lined up and your player lined up. But you have relationships with agents. And, and I got a call uh, just before the U.S. Open and asked me if I was interested. And, I mean, you don't. You don't get many calls about top 25, 30 players in the world very often. Right. And when you do, you know, in our position, that's um, that's a guaranteed, yeah, you're interested. So um, it kind of went from there and had some calls back and forth, um, you know, between himself and his coach and agent and stuff. And um, I was fortunate enough that he chose me and off we went. So um, with Sungjae, I mean, would his schedule differ from maybe a typical, say, North American player, Canadian or American, is in regards to events overseas, or um, is he predominantly uh, playing kind of just the PGA Tour stuff? 
Yeah, he'll play mostly the PGA Tour stuff. Um, I think our season is pretty much done. I, 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 he plans on playing in Houston, I think, in three weeks. So we, we uh, you know, he we, he would have an opportunity to go. Or he had an opportunity to go to Wentworth to play the um, European PGA. He declined, and I'm pretty sure if he wanted to go to the Middle East uh, the week before U.S. Thanksgiving to play Abu Dhabi, I think it's the DP World Championship. I'm pretty sure they find a spot for the 21st ranked player in the world, yeah. but he's Sneak him he's in. not really too interested. I mean, it's it, it's a long season. It's a grind. We did six in a row, started at the Olympics to the Tour Championship, and then we just did another three in a row. So I, I think he's looking forward to taking some time off and getting the year started uh, back again up in Maui. Yeah, because he's usually, like, he's known for playing a lot of events, no? Yeah, no, no, he's he's definitely known that. I, I've kind of, I've, I've kind of tried to chisel in there a little bit about you know how important rest is, and I mean I, I got a pretty good case now because he took three weeks off, came back, finished thirtieth, a win and a ninth. Oh, bingo! And I was like that's after three weeks. So I'm like, but then you know he'll say, well, we played six in a row, and my fifth week we finished third. So it kind of goes back and forth. <laughs> so, but, but but yeah, like you know, rest is important. I mean, it's hard to explain sometimes. You know, if you're not used to traveling, but, you know, that grind every week, hotels and golf courses, and you're dealing with the weather, and, you know, we usually play places that are at least fall weather, if not summer, so you're in the heat a lot most of the year, really. I mean, we don't really play many cold tournaments, so it takes its its toll. So rest, rest is important, and, you know, I think that's sort of maybe one of the last things that some of the younger guys start to figure out, you know, they get the golf part figured out, but it's the other stuff that kind of comes a little bit later and rest is part of that. What's the worst part about life as a caddy? I mean, obviously time away from your, your wife and your son in Dallas and it can be a pretty hectic road, road schedule. I mean, we, we had a previous guest on uh, Cavs, um, Mr. Bach and, you know, kind of, he, he had mentioned that <laughs> his, the worst part for him was kind of that time away from his kids as they were growing up and stuff. W- would you agree, or is there something else you you think you uh, you think about? No, no, it's a hundred percent that it's just missing the stuff at home that you know if you work Monday to Friday you kind of take for granted. You know, Saturday morning hockey practices, baseball tournaments, um, you know, first days of school, um, you know, weddings and funerals of friends. I mean, all that kind of stuff. You know, you you miss. You, Unless you're not working that week, or it's on the weekend and you miss a cut, you're you're pretty much out of luck. You know, it's not, it's really not a profession where you can you can take a week off. But I mean, usually the guys that take a week off, their player has a great week. So it's kind of you might it's the last thing you really want to do. Yeah. It's like a backup yeah. goaltender. You get hurt or something, and then all of a sudden they come <laughs> in, they steal your job. Exactly. I mean, that's that's the fear, right? There's no guarantees in what we do, so there's no contracts really, like you know, other sports and you just don't, you know, ultimately, I mean, even if you play a massive schedule, that's 35 tournaments a year, that still leaves you 17 weeks. That's four months of holidays. And it's pretty tough to get a decent job with four months of holidays. Do you still run a caddy uh, education program that I might be able to sign up for? Because that sounds like a pretty, um, you know, I don't know. I wouldn't mind the downtime. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, it's yeah, it's a, it's a decent deal, but you know, it's it's nice when you're at home. You know, it was it was funny. We, we played with Webb Simpson on Sunday. We were talking about you know how many weeks in a row we've been both out on the road and stuff. And 
and he said that, you know, he was like, I'm a little jealous of the caddies because, you know, when you guys are off, there's nothing, you, you don't have to do anything to improve what you do other than just making sure you stay in shape. Whereas as a player, you know, a week off means you're not playing in a tournament, but you still got to practice. Yeah. And so, you know, that's that's one of the benefits that obviously, like, when I'm home, I I don't have anything that I need to do. I mean, nothing. I can I can watch every game and practice my kids at and, and take them to school and do all the other stuff that you want to do and, and, you know, kind of take advantage of the downtime. Do you get recognized at all? Like, in Dallas or, you know, with, with people around, you know, there's a PGA Tour caddy because obviously golf down there is huge. Uh, no, not really. I mean, you know, out of doubt, there's so many guys that live here, um, players and caddies, that, um, <clears throat> and we can fly to every tournament nonstop from here. So a lot of guys, we'll all take the same flights, usually like on a Monday morning. And, you know, any of the any of the golf guys, you know, golf fans or whatever, they'll start to recognize some of the players. And, I mean, I guess we stick out maybe. I don't know. But <laughs> they'll start to... But they don't, you know, not normal. I don't know. I don't really like say much on the airplane. I mean, I sit down, put my headphones on, and that's about it. You know, I don't, I'm not trying to make any friends on the flights. So <laughs> they'll, occasionally someone will say something, but not usually, though. You were mentioning that there's no practice for the caddies and time off. I'm imagining you can't use the excuse when the wife comes home with a van full of groceries that, uh, you can't help them carry them in or, uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny, too. We just moved in. Um, we moved into a new house uh, three days before I went to Jackson. So we moved, and I spent three nights here, and then I was gone for three weeks. So you can imagine, um, when I got home on Sunday night, I've had I have, I've got a week or two's worth of work to do just on its own, just to uh, unpack the rest of the boxes and hang stuff where it's supposed to be hung and all the other stuff. The honey-do list is getting longer. <laughs> but coming home, coming home with a victory would have been pretty good, though. That bought me some. That bought me a, a few days for sure. <laughs> I hadn't done much since Wednesday, so I, 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 you know, I, we, we, uh, I sent her out to the to the furniture store to buy a uh, to buy a, a table for the living room with my car, and I said, you know, just go do your thing. And I sat at home and watched the game on Monday, so <laughs> that kind of stuff worked out pretty good. But that's only going to last for so long before I actually got a kind of get my hands dirty around the house here so well that's all right though you mentioned billy a little bit uh, earlier about your time working in the golf industry um and uh, and the operation side of things do you still get to play at all do you kind of you know stay clear of the golf course when it's your downtime or, or what goes on there yeah i don't play really i mean i i couldn't tell you the last time i played it's probably been a couple years come um, on you know yeah it's kind of it's too much like you know i I did a I did a an interview a couple of nights ago, and I kind of got asked the same question. I, I never really thought about it this way, you know, when I was talking to them about it. But you know, it's it's like a, it's it's like a job, and so you, you know, I played as a kid. I was decent, you know. I shot scores that I was happy with, but I worked at it. Now I don't have a chance to work at it, but my expectations are still that of what I used to, you know, the scores that I used to shoot. So it's not any, it's not fun. Yeah, I get, I get that I for sure. I, I don't want to stand over a, you know, a, a, a driver and not have any idea where I even need to start <laughs> looking. For yeah. and, but but it doesn't mean I don't like the game. Like I, like I was saying to those guys, I was, you know, I, I'd love to, 
you know, I'll, I'll help out local kids, um, you know, kids that are trying to, you know, make a high school team. My nephew plays golf for his high school. My, my son dabbles in it a little bit. But if he ever said, let's go play, 100% I'd go. It's just going with my buddies. I, I, there's other things I'd rather do. Um, but, you know, I'd love to, you know, love helping out the, the you know, the local high school kids or, uh, you know, any of the kids that are college players that are trying to get to the next level. You know, they'll kind of pick my brain. and That stuff's great. I enjoy that. But the actual teeing it up myself and having to go find it, I'm, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> Um, some experiences, you know, we talked about the, the, the Olympics earlier, um, you know, experiences for a player would be something, you know, going to the masters for the first time, or like you said, the Olympics is one of those experiences. Same for a caddy. I mean, the first time you got to go to Augusta was, would that be up there in regards to experiences you've had on, on tour? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. First trip to Augusta 05, that was pretty cool. Um, you know, it's a tournament you always watch. You know, you don't ever really think you're ever going to get there, whether it was as a spectator or a participant. So that was a cool experience. Obviously, the Olympics has been kind of new, but I've always enjoyed watching the Olympics, more, more the winter, just with the hockey and stuff. But, but I've always enjoyed watching the Olympics and the different sports. So to be a part of that was definitely a highlight. Um, and then, you know, the British Open, um, some of the courses that I've been to, the, some of the history, St. Andrews, um, just to know, you know, the town and how old it is and how long everything's kind of been around and the, the, the way that the people kind of respect in a different way the week that it is and, and how they go about running the town that week and Carnoustie and it's just those three, the, the Olympics, Augusta, and the British are, are the three probably the coolest. Those are probably the three coolest experiences. This is a random question that I just kind of wrote down when I was thinking about uh, when having you on here. And, you know, do caddies get, or, like, sponsors as far as, like, I don't even know what they would get sponsors, you know, uh, bag straps or something. I don't your know. Hat, I, your hat or something. <laughs> I don't know. Like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Yeah, no. There's there's programs. There's, there's companies that are involved with that. I mean, I've... You know, Sneakers? just based on my player and and his position. Um, I mean, I don't have to, but I do a deal with Titleist, so okay. I wear the hat for them, and and that's kind of a, you know, that's that's you know under that's in a contract, you know, for when I work for him, this is what Titleist does for me, um, and then the clothing. Um, I mean, it, you can get it. I mean, it depends what you like. It's hard to get paid for clothing. Sure. It's actually probably impossible to get paid for clothing, but you can certainly get as much as you want, yeah. depending on who it is. Um, and then, you know, there's a guy, there's, we have an association, um, APTC, um, Association of Professional Tour Caddies, and we've got, I think we've got over 200 members now. It's all uh, PGA Tour guys, uh, Champions Tour guys, and some uh, Corn Ferry guys. And we've got some corporate sponsors with that, too. We carry the Janie King towel. Yeah. That's a program that they offer. Um, so they, you know, it's a it's a pool sort of uh, prize money pool where Janie King pays us, you know, whatever they pay, um, and then uh, you, you split up how many guys carry the towel for each week, and each week becomes a certain dollar amount, and then you get paid out at the end of the year. So there's definitely some uh, there's definitely some some side action um, to be had. Some guys have some sleep deals. We've done hotel deals before, and. 
I think Gillette is a sponsor of, of a few caddies now. So yeah, you can you can certainly make some off the course money for sure where it Oh, that's that's great. And thanks for thanks for um, you know going into a little bit of detail there because that was yeah that's what I was legit wondering and that's awesome. So uh, a little yeah. a little while ago, Billy, we talked to uh, to Dwayne like we we mentioned there, and he was saying uh, a little bit about his time. He's probably in the same category of yourself for how long he's been you know caddying on the tour, but. Um, you know things have changed obviously in the the 20, 20 years or so um maybe comment on that like how how things are different from you know the early 2000s to where we are today and you know going in the 2021 20, 22 season yeah you know it's funny i caddied on the canadian tour uh when bach was still trying to play nice <laughs> so that's how that kind of goes back i mean i we go back probably close to 20 probably 25 years we've we've known each other um but yeah, no, it's different. It's a business. I mean, it was always a business, but it's really a business now. Um, it's, uh, you know, the reputation of caddies maybe 20, 25, 30 years ago, just sort of driving around the country in a van, staying wherever and, and, you know, showing up, doing their thing and then sending it every night. Um, it's a little bit different now. We're, we're, we're playing for a ton of dough. Um, we're traveling all over the world. Um, like I was saying, you've got sponsors, sponsors, uh, you know, the tour, I think is at the point now where they actually appreciate our participation in the pro-am. I think they understand that we can add some value to the pro-am and the, in the past, we were just the necessary evil. Um, and, and now, you know, uh, they're encouraging, you know, some interaction with the AMs. You don't know some of these AMs are sponsoring the tournament or, or big local business guys. Um, so yeah, it's, it's different now than it was. It's a, I mean, we got guys that are caddying that have college degrees and, and, and went to school and, and I mean, ran their own businesses before they started doing this. So it's the, 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 the group is much, uh, it's probably much more accomplished and refined now than it was, you know, 20, 30 years ago, for sure. I'm curious too, like, you know, there's, you know, rule changes and things coming down the pipeline. What's kind of your thoughts on uh, you know the distance measuring device like the range finders or or using of the yardage book? Are you pro or are you con or wh- where's your kind of stance on on that moving forward? The yardage book stuff. I mean, I, I use the greens book. I mean, I think you're crazy not to. Mm-hmm. It's just another piece of information. It's no different than looking up the stats and the shot link to see you know where the balls are being hit that are resulting in birdies and where they're not being hit so it's just another tool for us to use the laser you know the laser is great because it shoots the pin but these guys want more than what the pin is they want to know what it is over the edge or what it is behind it you need the book to get all those numbers um and to be honest the i don't know that the laser is perfect i mean neither are we but i know that the way the books are made that that's down to it to the inch so as long as you can pace it right and do the math i feel like you're going to get a better more accurate number more times than not doing it yourself than with the laser um i mean if you're out of position and way off and you've got angles to worry about yeah the laser is probably pretty easy um but it doesn't speed up play and i know that that's what they try to sell on it on sure. but there's no way there's no way it speeds up play the only Nothing will speed up play until they start handing out penalties. And so, carts, lasers, it doesn't matter. (laughs) Until you get a penalty for taking a minute and a half to hit a shot, 
we're going to be four and a half hours on Thursday and Friday or five hours on Thursday and Friday all the time. So speaking of penalties, have you in your career ever been responsible for a penalty on your player? No. Okay. Knock on wood. I'm going to no, gonna knock on wood. We don't want to risk or uh, jinx you or anything else like that, but uh, I was just kind of curious. No. I've never, uh, I've never stepped on a ball. I've ever been, I've almost been hit. I've never stepped on one. And um, yeah, anytime the ball's in a sort of a precarious position, I kind of just keep my distance. <laughs> and I don't want to be the guy that slams the bag down and the ball rolls off the side of the hill and into the hazard. So um, yeah, I've been responsible for a lot, but I have not been responsible for a penalty. Love it. <laughs> Love it. And Billy, when, when you're relaying information to your, to your guy or, or to your golfer, um, you know, like for us, you know, I look at my Bushnell and I got 156. I know like what I hit, one, whatever. But when you're giving information to your guy, is it more of a custom number? Like for for him, is 156 actually 156? Or is it like you're kind of, you know, we always hear the Pels, you know, whatever for, for Phil and Bones whenever they're working together. Like do you have that type of thing or is it – this is the number to here, this is the number to there, and he kind of looks after that type of thing. Yeah, I mean, I think every every player's different. I mean, some guys just want a number, um, and they're going to pull the club and hit the shot. Other guys want a lot of input as far as, um, you know, how, it could be 155, but what's it playing? You know, or where do you want to land it? You know, just, I mean, in Vegas, if it's 155, you're trying to fly at 155, but you're not trying to do that at the British Open. So, you know, if you're 155, maybe you're trying to land it 135. And now what's 135 playing? You know, if it's back into the wind or so that kind of stuff and going through clubs and, um, you know, with, with Sungjae, at least, you know, recently, um, you know, obviously I have all his information as far as what every club goes and then what all the sort of the controls, the control numbers are. So as soon as that number as soon as we, you know, kind of figure out that exact number that we're trying to hit it, you know, I've got my sheet that gives me, you know, all the number, all the clubs or all the shots that fit into that spot. And then that's kind of how we, you know, kind of go from there. And ultimately, you know, he's hitting the shot. So if he's feeling, you know, a hook eight, and even though my book's saying, you know, it's a cut seven, you know, it's, it's better to let him, them go with what they're feeling. And that's usually, you know, that's usually the better way to approach it. Um, keeps you employed. But, you know, <laughs> yeah, it keeps you employed. You know, I mean, if you really, you know, if you think he's about to send it over the green, yeah. then you can maybe, you know, pull the brake. But, you know, for the most part, these guys are pretty good. They know where it's going. They know how far it's going. So, you know, just to, you know, keep the car off the rails is all you're trying to do. <laughs> and how much, uh, you know, obviously you play practice round or program and that type of thing, but how much communication would you and your your golfer have like leading up to a tournament like do you have a meeting do you kind of is it more organic where you're just kind of you know talking you know normally about things or or what's kind of like the pre-tournament uh you know routine where you you communicate a little bit to get uh, on the same page um you know i'll walk the golf course on monday um it's not often that you know i see a place or get to a place that i haven't seen before so I've got some history usually at most of the courses. Um, take a walk on Monday, kind of refresh my memory. Um, you know, we've got some good tools uh, online that we can gather data for, uh, you know, where the shots end up and, and how the holes play. Um, 
But other than that, not really. You know, we'll play a practice round on Tuesday, usually just nine holes, and throw down some tees where the holes are going to be and, you know, uh, maybe hit some chips or some long putts to some tough, tougher spots. And then we'll play nine holes on Wednesday in the program, kind of do the same thing a little bit there, and then off we go. I mean, maybe, you know, not really like a, a pre-tournament meeting, but, you know, maybe in the practice round discuss, you know, how the strategy might play if a tee's up or if a pin's in a, in a spot where we think, it might, you know, benefit us to play the whole different way, but th- that's about it. Just a whole by whole thing. It's not just generally a whole tournament, you know. Um, some big caddy news today. Uh, socks calling it quits. Paul Casey's caddy, I guess. Ooh, oh, yeah, Paul, Johnny. Yes, as uh, he's going to do, I think one more tournament, and then uh, I think in January he said he's done. He's done. He's done his thirty years. So the pension plan, I guess, is kicking in. But uh, he's been around for a long time. Yeah, yeah, I kind of I knew you know he was he was supposed to uh, he was supposed to pack it in last year, but uh, I know Casey kind of coerced him into giving him one more year uh, because of COVID. He kind of you know gave him a big song and dance about how this wasn't the right way to finish the you know career, blah blah blah. So Johnny gave him Johnny gave him one more year. So, but yeah, he's a he's a legend, one of the one of the all timers out there. Funny English humor, funny. Um, but a good guy to hang out with for sure, and always, uh, you know, always got something good to say. One of the funniest videos I think is him from East Lake, where he gives uh, he gives Paul the <laughs> yeah. wrong four iron and the look on his face when oh, he's yeah. holding his grin to his face. It's just, <laughs> oh yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Paul, Paul's a tough guy to work for, but Johnny has the absolute best attitude for that, and it's uh, it's probably, I mean, I think even if you ask Paul, it's made him a better player. You know, just Johnny's able to. He's got that way that he can, uh, you know, as as mad as you as mad as a guy can get, or as down as these guys can sometimes get. Johnny's just got that that look about him that he can kind of pick you up and you know carry you through the tough times. So, a guy that works for thirty years for Paul Casey, obviously he loved it just as much as you do. Um, I'm curious as to what what would you consider the best part of your job as a caddy? The best part, yeah. Oh, that's a good question. Ah, I mean, you know, 20 years ago I was traveling the world and seeing all these places I'd never seen before. Sure. Um, <laughs> now it's probably, you know, teeing it up, um, teeing it up with a really good player who's got a chance to win every week and playing with really good players and, you know, and being out with really good caddies and seeing where you stand. I mean, all that's kind of, you know, you're always kind of, you know, making sure you're on the right page and kind of judging yourself with your your coworkers and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's different now than it was, you know, when I first started. It was kind of sort of like a fun, you know, let's just let's go away for three weeks and visit some cool towns and see some games and maybe a concert or something. And now it's, you know, we're looking forward to try to win golf tournaments and, you know, kind of be in the mix at the end of the day on Sunday. I've been to a bunch of uh, the waste management uh, um, tournaments uh, make that trip down have you ever done the running on the 16th hole I don't I don't run okay okay <laughs> me, no. hey Billy me neither <laughs> no. <laughs> no there's no you know uh, it actually started uh, it started at Colonial um, and I'm trying to think of the whole 10 11 12 it would have been 13 at Colonial and it was the caddy races and uh 
even then I didn't run. I used to give my bib to someone in the crowd <laughs> and told them to do the run for me. And so, uh, but yeah, no, I'm, there's, I'm, there's no running. For me. No, I even, yeah, there's no chance. I would have never, I mean, I've seen it. Uh, I know that the tour doesn't like it very much. Uh, you know, we've, we've been warned many times. We get an email every year. And there's always a sign up in our locker room on, Monday or Tuesday that reminds us of the rule that there's no caddy racing on 16. But yeah, no, you're not going to see me. You're not going to see me running. That's for sure. It didn't have to worry about it. Okay. Um, so we, you've been extremely uh, gracious with your time here. Um, what we'd like to finish off with is what we would call rapid fire. And we're going to uh, put some 60 seconds on the clock. We're going to throw a bunch of questions at you and, uh, and, and just real quick answers. Okay. Yep. All right. I'll get the clock out here, and Lenny's going to fire off, uh, fire off as many questions as we can. And uh, all right, you're all set. Yep. Okay. So starting now, now, your favorite hockey player, Gretzky. What's better, your Korean or Sung Jay's English? Sung Jay's English, and I need to go back. Wendell Clark. Nice. <laughs> uh, your favorite course to play, even though you haven't in years? Beacon Hall. The longest driving, uh, longest driving player you've caddied for? Like, who was the longest? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, Bo Van Pelt. Nice. Um, favorite golfer of all time? And we're going to, yeah, I was going to, okay, all right. <laughs> that was the answer I was looking for. You know, you could always say, you know, your current employer. But uh, Lynx or Parkland Golf? Parkland. At Olympics or Masters? Masters. Toughest walking course on the tour? The old Reno or the place we just played last week, whatever that is, uh, the Summit. And uh, we'll, we'll finish off with your favorite Korean food. Kimchi. Wow. Nice. Beautiful. Yeah, that's awesome. Well done. <laughs> well done. Geez, you didn't miss a beat on any of those. I can't believe I said Gretzky. I mean, obviously, but Wendell Clark's my guy. I mean, I got pictures of him all over my office jerseys and everything yeah. yeah well when when he listens to this he'll he'll make sure that the, the it's noted were you, <laughs> yeah. were you heartbroken billy when he left what's that were you heartbroken when he left wendell um yeah i was a little disappointed but obviously i mean when sundin showed up and started scoring 30 and never got hurt you know it was a pretty good trade and then he came back after at the end yeah, but yeah. those years when i was a kid like in 92 93 when him and Gilmore were just machines, that's kind of when I, you know, I would have been, what, 12, 13 years old, 14. I mean, that's kind of when I started to really start to pay attention. And, you know, those are the, that's kind of when I started remembering, you know, or can remember now what was what it was like back then. I've got, I've got one more question, which we had in the rapid fire, but we never got to. And I, I do want to ask it, though. Um, PGA Tour hosts a 36-hole caddy tournament only. Who wins? Oh, there are some really, really, really good players. I was just thinking that. There'd be, um, there'd be a lot. No, no. Like, like it depends where you play. Like, there's players, there's caddies that can easily beat their players. <laughs> and that's no, that's that's not a stretch. Um, man, who's the best player now? I mean, there's a guy, 
uh, goes to Q school every year. Um, Casey Clendenning works for Brian Gay. Yeah. He's a really, really good player. There's so many good players, guys. I, I mean, I there's there so is, many yeah. good. Like, we used to play the caddy tournament, and you'd have to shoot. It was an 18-hole tournament, and you'd have to shoot five or 600 par. <laughs> so, so, like, so you're not winning that. <laughs> no, I was in the beef flight shooting 75 and, and, and make, not even finishing in the top five. Yeah, no, no, no. There are some. There's some really, really, really good players. I mean, really good players. My buddy, uh, Brennan Little, another Canadian, works for Gary Woodland. I mean, he's an unbelievable player. I mean, he'll go out and he'll go make eight or nine birdies just for fun. I think so. David, David Markle's a good, solid player, too. Caddy for Michael Gligic, another Mark, Canadian. Markle can play, yeah. No, yeah, there's a ton of good players. I mean, it's, uh, it's impressive how many good players are. They should have a caddy tournament every Monday. Put a little prize pool together, and all the caddies go out and shoot 18 holes and little cash for something yeah oh they go and play there's some cash going around on mondays for sure mondays and tuesday afternoons they're they're not afraid to get after it that's the a nice perk of the deal too is if you're in town caddying in a tournament there's not many courses that are going to turn you down if you call them up and ask for uh, ask for a tea time i wouldn't ask you on golf but uh do you throw any uh any dollars at the gambling uh, table there on any of the sports do you get bet on your leafs or maybe on the bills no, I rented a. We rented a house. Four of us stayed in a house uh, up near the golf courses. Um, only saw this trip when I drove in on Sunday night, and saw it when I drove out two Sundays later. That was it. Never, never stepped foot on the strip. Almost went down for that fight that first Saturday, the Merryweather. Oh yeah, yep. Uh, or not the Merryweather, but the um, uh, Fury yes. Wilder fight or whatever. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I forgot that happened. Bunch that of the, bun, bun, you know what? bunch of the tour boys were in the crowd there i saw brooks and tony finau and a couple other ones were were there enjoying the show yeah well yeah no it was uh it was it was, it was a ticket that we could have had um but most of those guys that were down there weren't playing the shriners so they were in town at night early to, to get ready for cj nice well well we really appreciate you coming on the show i mean took up uh took up a little bit of your time on a on a wednesday evening but like i said we we really do appreciate you coming on it's we we love getting kind of the aspect from from all sorts of different golf avenues but i mean the caddy aspect is really cool to us i mean when we had the conversation with Dwayne and with yourself i mean it's been awesome so i just wanted to say you know really appreciate you coming on the show and uh and maybe get you back on sometime uh, after another after another big victory Absolutely, yeah. I look forward to it. Yeah, good luck in uh, Houston in the in the uh, next year for sure. Perfect. Yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah, no, we'll uh, try to finish the season strong and uh, you know get some time to watch the Leafs. Uh, you know, try to get into a position make it, where the uh, the collapse is even uh, more. Make, make it to the second round. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Billy. All right, take care. <laughs> Boys, I'm just going to call it right now. That was probably one of the best interviews that uh, we were lucky enough to have. Thank, big, big thank you to uh, Billy Spencer and uh, for sharing. I don't like him. <laughs> <laughs> Not a fan, eh? Leafs fan, don't like him. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. You're a man of your uh, yeah. integrity. Yeah. <laughs> I, love, I, I love the rapid fire uh, Wayne Gretzky. I, I, I got to go back. No, yeah, fire. Uh, yeah. Can't do it. Can't do it. Can't awesome. keep it on Gretz. Um, Good luck to him in the rest so, of the season. Uh, uh, that was cool. That was informative. I, I learned a lot about yeah. Billy. Like, I, you know, we asked a little bit, you know, about the winning feeling stuff. How nervous would you be carrying the bag for your man, like coming down the stretch in a PGA Tour event? Like, I'd be, I'd be rattled. <laughs> I don't know. Like, 
Like that'd be tough because you have no control. Well, you you're you know, involved, but yeah, you're not pulling the trigger, right? Yeah. Like yeah, that's a weird feeling. And what do you say to your player if he makes a bogey on eighteen to miss out on a playoff? Or what's the first thing the you're kind of saying? Driving the Civic. They need to get one of those uh, zooms or whatever on the caddy. And the, see whoops. What, yeah. the whoops. The whoops. Yeah. yeah. See yeah. what their uh, what their blood oxygen level and heartbeats at when they uh, coming down the stretch there but i mean pretty cool just to how he got into it right went to university didn't really know what to do goes back to his home club ends up caddying for one guy in an event and it just snowballs from there and then whatever turns into a 20-year career where i'm sure it's been fairly lucrative with some of the players he's caddied for absolutely um and like i said took took him took him all over the world yeah and uh yeah love it we should probably ask bernadette you know, she cared for you once. Yeah. You know, how did yeah. she feel? Like? One for one. Yeah. yeah. What was her whoop at? Her, I don't know. <laughs> she was probably pretty nervous, too, I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Her reward was bigger than the paycheck, though. She, she got dinner out of that whole thing. Crazy. Um, I wanted to finish off because I know that uh, he, he called in just as I was finished off the uh, the Brody Fox thing. I did want yes. to actually, um, obviously, with the Luke Allen Award going to Saul. Um, congratulations, buddy, just to top that off. Um, but also recognize the members. Uh, they all love hearing their own names, I'm sure. But Sid Stead, Jack Monroe, Caleb Drake, Isaac Drake, Darren Martell, who, by the way, is a beauty, uh, Saul Lanigan, uh, Cammy White, Jeff Hughes, who spanked me going three under in our singles matches, Cam King, extremely hungover, Kirk Butler, the long hitter, Chazi, Cole Haas, and Curtis Oh, actually, Curtis Martel had to uh, drop out. He was sick as a dog, apparently, and uh, Nolan Irving uh, filled in for him. Do you guys know Nolan Irving? No, but I know Martel's got the rum bum. That's probably what kept him out of the... Uh, he, <laughs> he wouldn't have missed it, but he missed actually not only that day, but he also missed... Um, there was something the day before. Uh, maybe it wouldn't have been the Iron Fox. Maybe it would be. Anyway, whatever it was, he was... Uh, he missed that, too, so... Anyway. Rough weekend for the old dog. Yeah. We'll have to catch up with... Uh, old dog t hamilton soon about how his weekend went he, uh, last week he was mentioning he was going to have a good one the fireball weekend and uh oh, yeah. and something else going Dude, on so i saw him at belvedere that friday like two days later i saw him at lunchtime i was finishing yeah, you up played with roddy that's right we played yeah, yeah. and he was there <laughs> i was just thinking and and i kind of half forgot like that was a, that was the beginning of the barry ling and the whole thing the next day as well the fireball so all i'll say is he had a big glass of red wine and it was 12 or 12 30 yep. before the round so yep yep he was getting her going so uh i think the problem with uh, the broody fox result for you guys was probably the lack of lobster fishing would would that be the case lynn there wasn't too many yeah yeah you need, like, you need with a couple Martel of those and glue Kang, guys Kang, right like they're the glue right yeah like, yeah yeah you're not wrong i will say that on behalf of the uh fox team we we got spanked you know like we the, the team games were quick or were close sorry i think after the first nine we were down one point and then we split the second you know nine so we were only down one going into singles and the boys uh they knew their course and they played well on it i was going to chirp a little bit i'm going to say like team fox had played a lot of rounds of golf this year but then when you just listed off of the brunel squad i'm like jesus <laughs> christ that's a lot of, a lot of rounds of golf with that squad there too yeah yeah it was actually fun because the guys that there was a lot of younger fellas on the brunel team and uh whom i'd not met and uh it was nice seeing them and some of them holy smokes they can hit they can so Hazi plays out there too does he yeah yeah unreal yeah he plays out there all the time um he spent more time in pei than he has over in halifax since he moved over seems he's, he's <laughs> 
He's back every weekend. <laughs> him and Brian Affleck. Yeah. <laughs> Brian Affleck's got an apartment here in Charlottetown, I think. It took me two years much. to realize he wasn't living on the island. <laughs> nice. Um, island, uh, the Island Green podcast golf pool started this past week, too. Yep. It was the first week. Um, yep. Lots of uh, interesting team names. That was, that was my funnest uh, best part to look at people's team names. It was really a shocker for me, actually, that... Uh, Tom Hoagie went un, undrafted in uh, week one. Okay, now we got to find out if the Golf Mania team picked Tom Hoagie no, in week one. No, no, they didn't. no. Okay. Couldn't. I, oh. I didn't, didn't want to waste him. <laughs> There's majors to be at. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I didn't want to waste C- my man. CJ Cup. Waste him on the CJ yeah, Cup. Yeah, no. There's the players. There's the masters. <laughs> I mean, there's all of these other ones. Um, but big congratulations to Team Twixie. Um who is, uh, what did we say that was? Who won that? Chad, Can, Pro- Chad, Chad Pratt. Pratt. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Prater, pretty Chad. good for you. Chad Pratt picked uh, Rory. I mean, you know, geez, nothing like picking, I don't know, did you guys have that strategy? Pick one of the top ten just uh, right off the gate? I went a little went a little bit lower in the world rankings in crescendo style where okay. I'm going to build to the to the big ones. Yeah, so we'll, we'll try to give a shout-out every week to the winner. I mean... Um, 64 under par listen, for three players is pretty damn good golf. It's... Uh, yeah, yeah, you're, you're <laughs> right. Um, marathon, not a sprint, though. There is a lot of events. There was a, a little hiccup, and I don't know if anyone noticed, but Justin Thomas's score wasn't, uh, wasn't coming up. It was playing at even par, and he was like 12 under at this point. Right. So I had a couple of people reaching out, being like, "What's going on with the pool? <laughs> <laughs> it's not updating." And I was like, "Don't worry, she'll she'll get her all fixed up." But well, uh, yeah, same as Jeff Hughes messaged me. There was a guy, some random fellow that played Katayata or something, plays in the Asian tour with a bunch of good finishes. Apparently, he's doing a lot of research into this into this pool. Yeah, I was, I was gonna say, "Come on, Jeff, are you really taking it?" <laughs> well, honest to God. So he's like, "What was his name here?" I'd like to pick. What did he say? I'd like to pick a guy this week that I can't find on the list. And he goes, sneaky Japanese player who has uh, who has had top 10 in last seven starts on the Japan tour, Takumi Kanaya. Anyway, I don't know if he's going to be on there, but uh, you know what? If he's not on there, just pick someone else. A little too much free time there, Jeff. Honest to God. I follows just, the, uh, I just the changed, Jap- Japan tour. I just changed my closely. changed my team name here as we speak. Did you really? Tom Hoagie. <laughs> team Hoagie. <laughs> That's about as good as Team Dottie Pepper. I love the Dottie Pepper. <laughs> yeah. And I know who did that. Not a boy. Not a boy. Uh, uh, Bradford. Okay, um, boys uh, on the etc. portion. Uh, any of you guys uh, identifying as cats? <laughs> <laughs> you guys read? Do you know what I I'm did. talking about? Also, what I'm just noticing, I missed the deadline to get my picks in for this week. Oh, no. <laughs> it was at 7.30. <laughs> You're starting off blazing. Well, well, That's a hoagie bogey. That's yeah. a hoagie bogey. A hoagie bogey. I was able to change my name but not get my picks in. Um, yeah, I saw that on the PSB uh, Public School Branch's Facebook site. Was that, a, was that a prank? I I don't know. Was it a hoax? I don't know. Me neither. I don't know. They haven't come out and said it was. You think they would have if somebody hacked them? I heard that there are students identifying as cats, and then then there's the other rumors that are going around because I, of. I that know a one. couple of people that identify as a pussy, but. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, yeah, so 
So that's what that was an interesting news news article that I that uh, that I seen this week, and I can't believe the public school board had to throw out an actual statement on that. Anyway, that's a thing. That's yeah, well, a legit thing. Legit thing. They had to throw out a something about litter boxes being placed in the schools. Right, and I think that's the that's, rumor, rumor part. That's fake. Yeah, I think so. And basically, the PSB said they were inundated with emails and phone calls for months. Honest to God, about this. I don't know if I want to live in 2021 anymore. Some, some, oh, man. Yeah, no, I don't disagree. Hey, it's nice to have a change of pace from the COVID news, but uh, I wasn't really expecting kitty litter at school. Uh, all right, well. Stay off drugs, kids. <laughs> don't do drugs. With that, uh, Jets, anything else you want to bring up before we sign off for the week? I do real quick. I uh, just wanted to give a quick uh, good luck and kind of keep keep going there for Blair Bercy. He's at uh, second, ta- second stage Corn Ferry Q School. Um, two rounds in, and he is tied for third right now. Nice. So top 19 will get to final stage, and as soon as you make it to final stage, you will get Corn Ferry status. So if he gets through this week, he will have status of some sort, and then oh, if he man. plays well in the final qualifying, he seeds himself for next year. So Oh, man. Keep Good. it up. Yeah, definitely keep it up. I yeah. know our boy Fincham is going to uh, – He'll be watching. He'll be watching. Oh, yeah, Max hey, Fincham. Hey, yeah. Blair, pretty good for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did have one other note um, on uh, PEIGA. They are they're in meetings, and they are looking to revamp the point system. Um, no details have been announced so far, but uh, I have it on good authority that they're using a um, – uh, a system where it kind of rewards the winners uh, a little bit more points, and then it kind of goes down in a more dramatic fashion for second, third, fourth, blah blah blah, which is uh, which is good. One one more quick thing, man. Did you see the greasiness of the Tampa Bay Lightning this week again with Kucherov being put on long-term injured reserve? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> That's just good management, I think. <laughs> they freed up nine point five million in salary cap. Oh, is that it? By putting him on the LTIR. Mm-hmm. And he'll come back a week before the playoffs start. God willing. And light it up. You know what? Um, Cooch, we're, we're, we're praying for you. We're hoping for a speedy recovery, just not yeah. that speedy. <laughs> uh, should, should we give the date of the uh, PEIGA annual meeting while we have it here? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, annual meeting, Monday, 6 p.m. Uh, November 22nd. November twenty second. Bring uh, your pitchforks and your burning, <laughs> burning candles and whatever else you want to. That's right. Yeah. Grievances. File your grievances. You do have to reserve your spot, um, and uh, if you wanted to attend via the Zoom meeting or whatever, so uh, details would probably be on the PEIGA Facebook or socials, um, or you can just uh, private message Allison and just say, "Hey, we want to come in and complain." Thanks to the anchor room once again, Kyle Vesey, for taking care of us this evening. Yep. Um, yeah. All right. Great night. All right, guys. Uh, enjoy your week, and we will uh, we'll see you next week. Happy birthday, Dad. <laughs> <laughs>